You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Well, my name is Michael Charles Maiden, and uh, I've been married 40 years to the same woman. <laughs> and we, we just celebrated our 40th anniversary. We have four kids and seven grandkids. And I call my uh, grandkids the Super Seven. And I call, well, I had five of them for eight years, and there was a, a gap between those five and the last two, and I called them the Fab Five. And their ages, now their ages between nine and 14, and I take them on movie dates. Our last date, we went to, we went to the video ar- arcade and to the movie and to dinner and to Starbucks. And, uh, Eight and a half hours later, I came home. It was a wonderful time. And uh, I was so determined, because the movie was the last thing we did. I was so determined not to fall asleep during the movie, but I fell asleep during the movie. They were taking pictures of me. Poppy's sleeping. Uh, I had had to text my wife from the video arcade. Sweetheart, I've gone over budget. The video arcade is expensive. Uh, But I wanted to show you a couple. uh, uh, Last year... um, uh, two, two of our grandbabies were born uh, just a month apart, June and July. I want to show you a picture of these two little angels, if the guys have them, um, that are just turned one years old. That's beautiful, a rose moon maiden. She's one year old and uh, just a, a, such a joy. My son and uh, daughter-in-law live in Laguna Beach, California, where he's a musician, and that, that's where she lives. And I can't wait to see her again. And the next baby is uh, Dakota. So Dakota, I have to tell you that story. So Dakota's mother is my executive pastor, my daughter-in-law, Candace. And so whenever Dakota comes to work with her mom, the, the, the women in the office just magically disappear for like two hours. And they have photo shoots. So they, this photo shoot, they heated milk, put it in a tank. And, and uh, that's... But I can't really stop it. You know, it's, it's, it's my grandbaby. And this is Dakota walking last month for the first time. Come on. Look at her just going everywhere. Good job, Dakota. Wow. Good job. Look at the color that she's walking. <laughs> she went pretty far before collapsing. So those are my uh, newest babies. And... It is so fun being a grandfather. If I would have known it was this fun being a grandfather, I would have skipped the kids and gone right for the grandkids. No, I love my kids too. And so it's, we're just uh, having a, a wonderful time. And it's a joy to be with you in your lovely city. So my second time in Singapore. And there's just uh, so many beautiful things and beautiful people and, uh, in your country. So I'm honored to be with you. I just want to share something for a few moments. And then we're going to pray and just... Um, do whatever God wants us to do. Is that okay with everybody? I had this impression, first off, I just pray for anyone in the room that's, uh, that you came to church and you've been battling physical pain this morning. I just pray right now that it leaves. And it, 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 first of all, we, we really uh, admire you for people that push back those kinds of constraints to, to uh, um, come to church anyways. But it, if you've been hurting your body today, 
you don't have to stand up, but just wave your hand at me. Say, Pastor, I, you know, I'm in some physical pain. I'll take that prayer and thank you. Just keep it up for a minute because we're just going to pray with you. So um, it's, it's bad enough to be in pain, and I don't want my sermon to cause, cause any more pain. So, Lord, I pray for everyone in pain, physical pain, whatever it is. Lord, you know we pray for their healing right now in Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's pray. We pray by the name of Jesus that by his stripes they are healed. And we enforce that victory, that authority, and that grace to these precious lives right now. And we, we declare over you, be healed in Jesus' name. May pain leave your body, wherever it is, your neck, your bones, your cells, your muscles, your, your uh, tissue, your, your skin, wherever it is. God, we just speak life in the mighty name of Jesus to these precious ones. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I want to read a scripture to you this morning from the Gospel of Mark. And we'll talk about it and uh, then pray for each other. Verse 1 of chapter 5 of the book of Mark is a story of Jesus. A dramatic story of Jesus setting someone free. And here's, here's what happened. Then they came to the other side of the sea, sea of Galilee. The disciples had been in a, a, a horrible storm that tried to prevent them from getting across the sea. And, and sometimes adversity is the enemy's opposition to your destiny. And if you're in a season of intense adversity, it doesn't mean God's against you. It means the devil's afraid of what God's about to do for you. And so that storm came, Christ calmed it. They got into the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when they come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who, who was dwelling among the tombs. No one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, day and night, he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him, and cried out with a loud voice, saying, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For Jesus has said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the, near the mountains. The demons begged him, saying, send us into the swine, that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirit went out and entered the swine. There was about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So... Pigs can't swim, apparently, is a, my subtitle. And those who fed the swine fled and told it in the city of the country. They went out to see what had happened. Then they came to see Jesus. And they saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion, here's my whole sermon, sitting and clothed in, in his right mind. Sitting and clothed. And they were afraid. Afraid of what kind of power could liberate a man so bound. And those who saw it told him how it happened to him that was demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they pleaded with Jesus to depart their region. When Jesus got into the boat, he, had, he who had been demon-possessed begged Jesus that he might go with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you, how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis, ten cities, all that Jesus had done for him, and all marveled. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for this beautiful congregation. Thank you, God, for the miracle, which is, God, Kingdom City, Singapore. 
Thank our Pastor Andrew and Newman, all the whole beautiful team, leaders. Thank you, God, for the congregation. Thank you for every person that's here today. And Lord, our faith is that every person today has an appointment with you in this place, that you're speaking, touching, moving, freeing, healing, saving, blessing, encouraging, speaking to every person here. Your fa Father God, your kingdom come, your will be done today. Anoint your servant, your word, and your people. Show the devil who's boss. We give you the praise in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I love this story. First of all, it gives us kind of graphic insight into human suffering and uh, what, what this man, this demoniac of the gatherings, as he's commonly called, had been through. And he had been through a lot. And, and at, he is now um, the, the prisoner of the trauma of his story. He's demon-possessed, the Bible says. And he's going through incredible torment because of it. So the battle that he's going through, you know, the devil possessed him, but where did the devil rule in his life? It was in his mind. So spiritual warfare is a real thing, and the battlefield for spiritual warfare is your mind. Your mind is the battlefield, is the battleground. And the devil is in this generation, at least in the Western world, and we see it as I travel the world, the devil has unleashed every oppressive and tormenting weapon it has ever had against the minds of this generation. So people's minds are under assault. I don't know how it's in Singapore, but everywhere I go, people are fighting anxiety, depression, hopelessness, discouragement. There are all kinds of fears, phobias, and panic. There's this constancy of pressure and stress and, and um, unrest. And, and so the enemy is just waging war against the minds of mankind. But Jesus is ready to set your mind free set people in your family free that have been tormented from whatever it is because every mental disease is a torment. Every fear is a torment. Depression is constant torment. I'm going to talk about my own overcoming depression. Anxiety is torment. Confusion is torment. So, so this man's tormented with all of those things and, and the confusion. He, he, he's, he's violent. He's living in a tomb. And the tomb really speaks of dead bones. A tomb back then is where they buried people. So he's spending his time with the dead or dead bones. And that's another uh, idea of what the past is because the past becomes a tomb when you can't escape it. And when people can't escape their past, they're living, there's no life there. There's no life in your past. And, and so when people spend their time there, their emotional, mental energy there, they're depleted of so much because there's no grace, strength, life there. There's, you have to leave your past. Uh, if you don't leave your past behind you, it will steal your future in front of you or rob you. And uh, so he's living in the tombs. He's tormented. He's self-destructive. He's cutting himself. He's crying out for help. He's, he's, he's groaning in agony. And he's representing kind of a territorial stronghold. He said, don't send me out of this territory. And so as I travel the world and every region on earth, cities, nation, have different regional strongholds, those demonic powers that the enemy uses to control, deceive, and oppress people there. So every place you go, there are kind of different tactics. It's the same enemy using different things. And so the body of Christ, kingdom, and city, Singapore, is anointed to set the captives free from mental torment. And you should never, no matter how rich or, or how attractive or how well-to-do or how gifted a person is, 
Just never underestimate that they might be going through incredible emotional or mental torment, suffering, and just enduring all kinds of pain because of what the enemy has done to them because of unhealed uh, you know, pain or trauma from their past also. So there, there's this man, this, this demoniac, and as soon as Christ, the, the moment Jesus set his foot on the shores of the gatherings, he was awakened, he was alerted. Because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you're anointed man or woman of God, you never have to go looking for the devil. He'll always find you because he's afraid of the anointing you carry. So Christ steps in that territory, and here comes that stronghold and begging Christ to leave, begging him not to send him away. Don't send me out of my jurisdictional uh, uh, territory, the demon cried out to Christ. But there is no demonic stronghold on earth that Jesus Christ cannot set people free from. We have authority. So Christ, as he's engaging this person, asked the demon its name. And we have authority over everything we identify and discern. So when God shows you a problem, he's not just making you smarter. He's giving you authority to overcome it. He's giving you authority to pray against this, stop to remove it, to cast it out, to heal it, to whatever the situation requires. So we have authority over everything we discern and identify so he, at, at Christ sets him free. Of course, the pigs can't swim. They jump into the ocean. They drown. It, it, it offends some people. People valuing their herd more than a freed person. They didn't know how, what to do with this man. They were, they were confused by his freedom. But here's the man. Now, he, he, he formerly was naked. He formerly was cutting himself. Now he's got a cool haircut from the top shop in Singapore. He's got a brand new suit on. He's sitting there like a student of, at university, at leadership school at Singapore. He's sitting in this, and he's sitting, he's clothed in his right mind. So the, the idea is this, the ultimate goal of the body of Christ is to help everybody get into their right mind. And so we sit at the feet of Jesus. We sit, we, we, we become saved and, and, and have this relationship with Christ. And the more we sit at his feet, the more that we're disciples, the more that we're taught God's word, the more that we participate in the life of what God's doing through Kingdom City, Singapore, the more that we allow our hearts to grow, the freer our lives are going to be. The more our minds will become right about what God's called us to be. Ephesians 2 says, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We've been saved by grace, and now we have access to Jesus. I just want you to know this. The devil doesn't have any power over you as a child of God. You're now sitting at the feet of Jesus, and you're learning about him. Every time you open the word, it's as if he was standing there talking to you in person, teaching you his word. Every time you attend church and come to a Bible study or come to some some uh, uh, sort of spiritual equipping. It's as, Je as, as if Jesus, the living word himself, was pouring into you and talking to you. And he loves you. He's for you. And he loves to spend time with you. He loves those encounters with your life and for you. And so the Bible tells us, helps us to know that we've been delivered. We've been trans Colossians 3 says we've been translated, transferred out of darkness into light, out of one kingdom into another kingdom. You belong to God now. You belong to God's kingdom. God has great things for you. The devil has no right to torment you. He has no right to conflict your mind with anxieties and fears and phobias. You have the right to total, complete freedom in Jesus Christ. That's God's best and will for you. And that's what I encourage you. If you're not all the way free yet, just hang around this free uh, ministry. This ministry is going to set you free because there's anointing on Kingdom City for lives to be set free. 
and brought to Christ. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.9 that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a special people that we might show forth the virtues and praises of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous uh, light. You have been chosen. You're ordained. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a generation chosen by God. God could not love you more. The evidence of how great God's love for you is the person of Jesus Christ. You are loved. You've always been loved, and God's always for you. Amen? Jesus said in, in, in John chapter 8, he said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I'm freer this year than I was last year, and next year will be freer than this year. We're walking in freedom from, from glory to glory, from faith to faith. And no matter where you are in your freedom journey, don't give up yet. God has massive things for your story and for your journey. This, this, this man who sat at the feet of Christ, the, you know, set free, really is a testimony. When I showed you a couple of my grandchildren today, my grandkids only know a happy poppy. They call me poppy. And uh, so it's because Jesus healed me. 25 years ago, I had a serious manic suicidal depression, and Jesus Christ healed me from that. He set me free. I was finishing my PhD in psychology. I knew I was sick. I laid on my own couch and said, sir, you're very sick. I said, I know I'm very sick. And, and Jesus helped me. Jesus heals broken hearts. That's what he did. That's what he does. So he did in my case. He'll do it in your case. We had a great, we were building a great church. I was 37 years old. We were building a large church and uh, building f- almost 5,000, 4,800 auditorium in our a local businessman who was our, a lay church treasurer and a banker embezzled $20 million from our church and took all of our accounts, some of us personal, and uh, took all the church accounts. So that guy went to jail, everything went bad, and front page news 10 times and just horrible things. And uh, the church grew from five, about 4,000 on Sunday to about 150. All those things happened. Our family became homeless. We, my oldest son started doing drugs. I became manically depressed and and it looked like at 37, my life was over. But I found out that Jesus can work all things together for good, even bad things, even horrible things, even unjust things, even unfair things, even traumatic things. And so he, he healed me. He, he taught me how to forgive. And, it, and if you want to get better, the first thing you got to do is forgive the people that hurt you. And so the Lord said to me one day, Michael, would you like the pain to go away? And I said, yes, Lord, I would. In fact, Lord, I've made a list. Of these people, if you would kill these people, my pain might go away. And he said, no, I want you to forgive the people. He said this, if you will forgive the people that hurt you, I'll anoint you to forget the pain they've caused you. When we forgive, God makes us forget. Our hearts forget the pain. Forgiveness is that powerful. It's that powerful. I did and God did. God really helped me. I pastor some of the very, very people right now who are complicit in heartache in my story 25 years ago because God's given me great love. It's as if it never happened emotionally to me. He gave me my innocence back. He gave me my, my freedom, my joy back. He gave me my faith back, my vision back. He gave me everything back. And then we, we started an inner city church 16 years ago. God blessed it. We have a ton of uh, people show up. Uh, uh, Jedediah Thurner is preaching for us today. Israel Houghton's leading worship for us today. My uh, uh, former worship leaders come back to us. And so, well, just amazing things are happening for us. And I'm humbled and grateful. But I just want to tell you, there's no pain in your mind or your heart that Jesus can't heal you from. He healed me from all those things. And, and I was so depressed, I wrote a country music album. 
So the joke is I hate country western music, but it came out of me. So apparently at the bottom floor of depression, they're playing country western music. So Jesus healed this man, and the Bible says, secondly, he's clothed. And, and the, the idea of clothing in the Bible is, is a portrait of identity. In, in the book of Isaiah, it says this in Isaiah 6 to 1, he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He's robed me with righteousness. It's, it's the portrait of what Jesus has done for us in salvation, that we have identity. Remember the, the prodigal son story? The prodigal son goes away. He wastes his, his inheritance on prodigal living. He spends it all. He's now out of money. He's famished. He's distraught. He's diminished. He comes home. His ragged clothes and his diminished health. And the father sees him, races down the mountain, begins to kiss his son, and his turns to his servant and says, go home and get a brand new robe for my son. I'm going to restore his broken identity. The greatest consequence of sin is stolen identity. The devil tells people they're slaves when they're sons and daughters. He went He went out a son but sin turned him into a slave but when he came home God turned him back into a son that's our story we're the children of God and we wear the identity in Christ we are in him amen in him we live and move and have our being in Christ we find our identity our meaning our value identity is always the greatest struggle of life because the enemy isn't afraid of you doing things he's afraid of you becoming something Your identity unlocks your destiny. Your identity is the key that unlocks the master door into the fulfillment of your kingdom destiny. So God talks to you all. The Bible is a book of identity. I I tell my church this all the time. The most important thing in life is what we believe about Jesus Christ. Eternity hinges on who you say Jesus is. Then I say, but I believe the second most important thing is what you believe about yourself. What you believe about yourself. So, it's impossible to see life right when you see yourself wrong. It's impossible. So, so the Bible is a book of identity. Talking to us about who we are, the Bible itself describes itself as a mirror. What does a mirror do? Reveal identity. God says, here's who you are. You're my child. You're a son. You're a daughter. That's who you are, amen. You're loved. God loved you so much, he paid the greatest price in all the history for anything, the blood of his son for you. That's how loved you are. That's how much God cares and has how much you mean to him. So he, 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 he's dressed, and uh, he, he, the, 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 the whole city, the whole region is not used to seeing him in identity. Now, here's a big, huge thing. Man, when the church starts walking in identity, it witnesses to the whole culture what God does in healing us, restoring us, and telling us who we are. Your identity, see, see, sometimes people that have a great destiny go through early childhood trauma or other kinds of difficulty because the devil's so afraid of them, he's trying to disrupt the, normal, the normalcy of their growing into identity. But when you come to the kingdom, God tells you who you are. You're a history maker, you're a world shaker, you're a child of God, you're loved, you're redeemed, you're healed, you're blessed. You are who God says you are as his child. And that joy, Colossians says, put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge as for the image of him. I like to say it like this, keep putting on the new until it's really you. Keep standing on what God says you are. I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. And, and that's revealed in his promises to us as his, as his children. The last thing, he's, this man's in his right mind. And that's where I really want to park and kind of uh, uh, spend a couple of moments before we start praying. 
in when he gets to his right mind, he's thinking clearly, he's thinking logically, he's thinking deductively, he's thinking rationally, he's thinking without interference, without fears, phobias, control, without oppression, without any kind of... See, see when your mind's really set free, when your mind's attached to a relationship with Christ, you have the mind of Christ. And you become the most valuable, the most dangerous to hell, the most valuable to heaven when your mind is right, when your thinking is right. And so in the kingdom of God, it's basically the kingdom of God is the place where we renew our minds and we change the way we think. And the more that we renew our minds, the more destiny our lives will live in. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind, a saved mind, a right mind, a, 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 a mind that is regulated by heaven, a mind that is set free from hell, a mind that is filled with God's thoughts and God's truth. That's what God has for you. When we get our minds right about our marriage, God blesses our marriage. When we get our minds right about our business, God blesses our business. When we get our minds right about other people and, and, and God fills us with agape love for other people, our minds are right, then we become powerful. Whatever area of life we get our minds right, according to God's word, we transform our lives. We change the outcomes and we transform the culture around us. It's amazing what one person who's thinking right can do in the world. One right-thinking person can change a city, reach a nation, transform a generation, make a huge difference for God. One person with the mind of Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, that I beseech you, brethren and sisters, by the mercy of God, that you yield your bodies a living sacrifice to God, which is your reasonable act of service. God wants your body. He might be the only one right now, but God wants your body. So he's after spirits need a body on this planet to have authority. And that spirit said to Christ, send us into the pigs. We don't want to be bodiless. We don't want to have no authority. We want to have some kind of aspect in the earth. And so God needs the Holy Spirit also indwells us. And, and by that we have authority. And so everybody's filled with something. Everybody's carrying some spirit, some, some governmental entity. And in the kingdom of God, we're called to be carriers of Christ, carriers of the Holy Spirit, carriers of God's love and joy and peace. His power, his healing, his grace. And so the next verse says, and be not conformed, Romans 12, to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, metamorphial, change of nature, by the renewing of your mind that you might test, prove, know what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So we experience God's will to the degree that we renew our mind, that we allow truth to bring us a new reality of thought. And so just like this man was in his right mind, I declare that you're going to, in every area of your life, you're going to get in your right mind. I bind any kind of confusion, any kind of sexual disorientation that would try to tell you you're someone you're not. I declare God's healing you from all that confusion. I declare God's healing you from, from the devil telling you there's, there's no hope for your marriage, that God's giving you a new hope, a new insight, a new correct thought, a, a regulation that you can understand. I, I declare that in your finances, God's going to raise you up to be a blessing, a steward, a person of a consequence because you're changing the way you view money change the way you view blessings that you want to be a blessing for God and that God's going to change the way you see yourself it's hard to love other people when you hate yourself God has to teach us all how to look at ourselves the way he looks at us and to love what God has made and to accept who God has made us to be so 
for us as believers, that's the, that's the end game. Total freedom. Total freedom. And man, from someone, you know, I, I wasn't as bad as the demonic of the gatherings because I kept my clothes on. But I was cutting myself internally every day, hurting myself by thoughts. I was living in the tomb of dead bones, living in my past. As long as we live in the past, we're dead toward the future. And Jesus Christ set me free. He changed the way I think. He healed the trauma of my heart. He gave me hope and vision. He gave me love for people that had hurt me. He gave me hope for my future. He gave me faith for my family and church and for the world. Everything that I lost, he gave back to me better than I lost it. And that's what I encourage you, man. It's your restoration time. God's not done in your story. I wrote a book last year. I always forget to announce it. I'll, I'll, uh, called God of the Comeback. You can get on Amazon or whatever method. But I just tell my whole story in kind of graphic detail how Jesus Christ set me free, what he's done. And what God, my oldest son was a drug addict for seven years. His heart broke by what had happened. Now he's a pastor and leader in our church. Everything that the enemy had meant for evil got turned for good. Come on, you can't quit. If it's not good yet, it just means God's not done yet. Pastor Andrew, I call our sanctuary at the church the dream room because I watch God turn the lights on in people's hearts about their own destiny, their, their own promise of their own life, what God can do for them. But I just want to declare to you today, today's a new start day today, a breakthrough day for you. Today's a going forward day for you. Because, you know, I, I, I preach a simple little message, but I'm here to tell you my story. Jesus set me free, and he'll set you free. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're going through. man. But if you've been fighting discouragement, hopelessness, depression, anxiety, or fear, this is your breakthrough day. I'm going to pray for you and God's going to do miracles for you because it's time where we, we, we are receiving from Christ the freedom he died to give us. And it, the Bible says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed, is triple free. And God's going to help you with freedom. If you say, Pastor, I've been struggling with depression, discouragement, anxiety, some kind of fear, some kind of um, uh, just ongoing, irrelenting stressfulness. Man, I'm going to pray a prayer for you. We're standing and believing. I believe I came all the way from Phoenix, Arizona to tell you this story. But if you say, Pastor, I've been fighting discouragement or depression or anxiety, would you just wave your hand at me? We're going to pray a prayer and just really believe that God today has your heart, your mind, your story, your life on his mind. He's going to really help you. Come on, if that's you, don't be afraid. We are standing with you up in the balcony. If you're saying, Pastor, I'm ready for freedom from, from phobias, fears, anxiety, depression, discouragement. Thank you, guys. Just keep your hand raised. I really, really appreciate it. Beautiful, beautiful. Church family, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. If someone has their hand raised around you, would you just lean over to them and just touch them on the shoulder or stretch your hands toward them? Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters now. We declare freedom to them in the name of... Come on, let's pray. Let's pray like we know God answers prayer. Father, we bind the devil's assault. We bind attack. We declare peace to their hearts. We declare healing against all trauma. We declare, God, a new beginning happens and a, a new season of joy. Father, you... you, you you have so much love for them. Let your love chase out their fears. Let your hope chase out their hopelessness. Let your joy chase out their depression, Father. We declare God healings. And Jesus Christ came, the Bible says, he said this, I have come to heal the brokenhearted. So God, we declare healings to the hearts of your children, your precious children. In Christ's name, and we thank you, God, for it. We give you the praise for your faithfulness for your love and care for these precious ones in the mighty name of Jesus. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.